0: thank you for making us brave we thank you for being the the power we thank you for being our source of strength lord our ever-present help in a time of trouble lord the strong tower to where we go lord a banner that waves victory over us we thank you lord we know lord anything good that is in us is because of you we know lord that anything lord where we have had an opportunity to conquer is because of you We know, Lord, any area in our life that we've had deliverance is because of you. Lord, we know, Lord, that there's any good thing in us. Lord, it is a beautiful gift that comes from above, from the Father of lights. And, Lord, there's no shifting shadows in you. Lord, there's nothing, Lord, for us to wonder, to cause us to wonder if you're still good. You're good. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for making us brave. We thank you for calling us, Lord, to be brave, to walk out on water. Lord, where our feet may fail. Lord, where, where, Lord, everything about us may fail in our own strength, where, where, where we have to trust in you, where we have to um, know, Lord, that you're our source, you're our strength, you're our power, that you're our provider. We thank you, Lord, that we get to live in that place, Lord, of faith. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you've given us a, a, a book that has your life and your hope and your words written in it. And they are the words of life. We thank you for the blueprint. That, Lord, when we can struggle, when we wrestle with things, we can go to it and be strengthened. We thank you for that sharp sword, Lord, that we can place and, and uh, go to battle against the, the enemy, Lord, and the thoughts and the, the things that would try to come against us. We thank you, Jesus, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. We thank you for that. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you're a merciful God. That, Lord, we're, we're a hot mess most of the time, Lord, and you still use us. You still forgive us. You still choose us. Lord, I don't know if, if I was you, I would you keep choosing me. But Lord, you're faithful. You're true. And we thank you that your righteousness has been placed upon us. And that's how you view us. We thank you for that. Lord, what a wonderful God you are. What a wonderful plan you have. Lord, we, we barely know any part of it. We barely can understand your ways. We barely can understand your goodness. We barely can understand your love. It's like any, like nothing else we've ever known. That, Lord, while there was nothing good in us, while we were yet sinners, you came and chose to die for us. We thank you for that. We bless you this day. We bless you every day. Lord, what a beautiful day it is. The sun's shining, the birds are singing. Lord, uh, your your plan for us hasn't changed. We're so grateful. Lord, I just pray that you bless those, Lord, who have um, come into this house and they're fighting something or discouraged or... um, some are just in awe, Lord, they're just overwhelmed by your presence. Others, there's things that are pressing on their minds and their bodies and their soul. And Lord, we just pray for a freedom in that today. Lord, that um, everything, Lord, that you would want us to hear and, and be a part of, Lord, we would be able to retain and not just hear, but apply. Lord, that we would grow in you. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, well, we're gonna continue in to our uh, study in the book of Revelation in chapter 3, going in the study in the Church of Philadelphia. Um, last week we we got a little further in um, how point 2 says, I know your deeds and I've put before you an open door. We're going to um, continue on the open door and then get into, um, He will cause our advers- adversaries to bow at our feet. How many know that's going to be awesome? <laughs> but um, continuing on the open door, last week we we kind of closed up on Um, That Jesus said that he would open doors no man could close and he would close doors that um, no one could shut. That that he has the keys to the kingdom and he has given us those keys. How many know that's exciting? We finished up our service with some binding and some loosing. Amen. How many of you got to experience some things that you loosed and you saw some freedom in that? Amen. And there's some other things that maybe the the enemy had been um, wrestling with you or fighting with you on and you bound them. Amen. So those that weren't here, you missed out. It was quite the awesome time in the, in the presence of the Lord. And spending a lot of folks spending time in the altars. And um, that time ran into the next service. And um, they did the same thing. It was, it was just a beautiful time. So um, we're grateful when the Lord does that. Amen. He does things that we can't do. Amen. All right. So the next part of an open door, um, we saw that in um, Revelation. Um, chapter 4 verse 1 that there was an open door standing before us as a church and as, as a God's people. That That's an open door for um, the rapture. That's an open door to go into, be in His presence and not go through tribulation. Um, we saw that um, the next part of an open door I want you to see is in Matthew chapter 28. Um, this is, Jesus is concluding His ministry here on earth. And um, He has already revealed Himself to His disciples. And now He's getting ready to leave, and he's got some final words. How many know the final words are pretty important? Amen. Amen. So he's about to leave his disciples, and verse um, 18 out of Matthew 28 through 20 says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I command you And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. Thank you, Lord. He's wanting to make sure that they understand that, hey, guys, we're good. All the authority that I've been given. And where does it say his his authority is? In In heaven and on earth. What was the authority and the keys to do? Bind and loose. And what, where are these things that we bind and loose? What's going on? In, in what areas? In heaven and on earth. You see why there's a connection here? Keys to the kingdom. There's more than just opening doors for us to, to get out of here. There's keys to open and bind and loose, what, what he first told the disciples. And what was the principle? What was actual, the actual key that did that? Who do you say I am? Their declaration of who he was. Amen. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Thou art the Messiah. Basically saying, I believe you are who you said. I believe you are the anointed one that was, that was prophesied thousands of years before that all the prophets were speaking of. I believe you're him. And I put my faith and trust in that. That's the key. And he told Peter, upon that declaration of faith, upon that rock, I will build my church. Amen. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So it's upon that declaration he goes on, and the last thing he tells his uh, disciples uh, da, 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 and apostles is this: and Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, "All authority," he reminding them, "All authority, where in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. That is your encouragement. Hey, you have my authority. All the authority of heaven and all the authority of earth is behind you in this. Go." Church, that's a lot of authority. That means we have a great authority, all the authority of heaven and all the authority of earth, to say, go. Now, how can you go if you're locked up in your house? Just something to think about. Who would be contrary to that? The man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, the the large... One world government system that would try to lock people up in the last day to not let them go? Amen. Or am I just taking some crazy leaps of faith on that? And that's what I see. Whose authority do we need to go? We already have it. And it's all the authority of heaven and earth. So what should we be doing? Going. You think there may be a time... I mean, is it a little bit easier to see that there may be some opposition coming? <laughs> do, you, do you think in the day of this last year that we've been through that we might see, hey, you know what? Things aren't looking so spiffy. There's some contrariness to this going. There's some contrary to us sharing our faith, us having fellowship together so that we can encourage ourselves and build one another up in our most holy faith and equip people. To actually do what Jesus said to do, there's an opposing force. Do we need their permission? You know why? Like, that's why I'm not going against any authority. I am walking in the authority of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the church has always done that. And the church has always been persecuted for what? For doing that. So that's nothing new. So we don't have to figure out well, what are we going to do? We're going to go, we're going to make disciples. We're going to baptize them. How do you do that if you can't touch them? How do you lay hands on the sick and see them healed if you can't be in contact with them? How do you do any of the things that Jesus said to do? How do you make disciples? And you get, well, pastor, we have technology now. Yeah, we do. Did he have technology then? Do you think that was the plan? And he was like, shoot, up until you guys get this ability to go like and do FaceTime. Up until you guys have the ability to go online. Really, you don't need to gather. Or was Jesus not smart enough? Or God didn't see this day coming? Because all the other days for like thousands of years, he was foreknowing and prophesying and speaking about what it's going to be like. So maybe we should just keep doing what he said. Because all authority... In heaven and on earth is given to him. And then he is what? Giving it to us. Now, how are we going to open doors and and close doors and lock things and unlock them if we're not out and about? You tell me, like, how do you set the captive free if you don't unlock his cell and have him come out? I'm waiting. (laughs) It just don't work that way, right? Y'all, come on out. You're like, I'd love to. Would someone open this door? I'm going to tell them over FaceTime. Just come out of your cell. It just doesn't work that way. He said, lay hands on the sick and what? Anoint them with oil. You think there's a, a, a thing of obedience? You think there's a blessing to obedience? You think there's a huge blessing in going? I know there is. How many got to go? How many in the last couple weeks you've actually left your house and witnessed to people? That's awesome. Like you shared your faith. You brought a gospel message to them. They understood that without Jesus, they're a sinner. And he's the only way to salvation. And how many enjoyed doing that? How many felt the presence of the Lord? How many had a smile on your face when you left? You felt like I just was obedient. I did what my daddy told me to do. You went. And you know what? You had authority behind you. And that's a contagious thing. That will mess some people up. When you start understanding who you are in Christ, you start setting people free. I tell you what, there's nothing like that. Knowing that it's not me, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. But they're not going to meet Christ in me, the hope of glory, if I don't go. Pastor Jay? Pastor Jay? Go, therefore, and make disciples of where? All the nations. We are not limited. Just all. All the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am. I think he's saying something there bigger than just I am with you. That I am with you. Always till when? The end of the age. That is a beautiful passage of scripture. We have an open door before us, do we not? Yes, we do. A great open door. You know, it's so wide, it's to all the nations. That's about as big a door as you can get. I wonder why someone would want to close that. It goes on in, in, in the passage of, of Revelation chapter 3. He says to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, "Write: He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I've put before you an open door, which no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them to come and bow down at your feet and to know that I have loved you. Now look at that in verse 8. It says, and having a little power. Now that's not a slam to this church. It's saying having a little power, it's an encouragement to a little church. Jesus is encouraging this little church. You have a little power. Now where does this little power come from? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked that. There's this little church surrounded in a contrary culture. Does that sound familiar? A little church surrounded by a contrary culture. He says, you have a little power. Now, what would you need a little power for? And where would this little power come from? Those are great questions. Let's let's look at this passage of Scripture. He says, you've kept my word and you've not denied my name. That's where this power comes from. You know, I've got some good news for you. It only takes a little power. He's telling the, the, what I see, one of the greatest churches of all of them. I've opened doors for you. You're not, you're not going through tribulation. That in the Smyrna, um, Smyrna church. Very similar things, which we're going to see. And he's only said, you, you have a little power. It only takes a little power. We're, we don't have to try to become something that we're not. We don't have to try to be bigger than we are. We just need to take what little power that we have and that, that the little faith we have and apply it. In a very dark contrary culture. You don't have to wait till you like become a superhero of the faith. He's telling a little church in a, in a dark culture, you have a little power. But here's the key. Here's the key. You've kept my word. And you've not denied my name. How important is it to keep his word? This thing is ridiculously, amazingly powerful. And I'm saying this thing. His word that we're supposed to hide in our heart, that we won't sin against him. This word that brought us the law, that that is the schoolmaster, that showed all of us that we've all sinned. And this word that brought us the grace of God. And brought us Jesus that from the beginning was pointing towards who was going to be the Savior, the Redeemer of the world. That would set us free from the law and from sin and from death. And put into us a whole new life, a resurrection power and a life that frees us from the power of sin and death. That we don't have to positionally, we're free from sin. In our walk, we are being freed from sin. And in eternity, there will be no sin. Right there, that—that's the proper response for that. When you begin to understand that, like that's called um, not being holy. Um, what's the technical church term? Growing in your walk. Um, come on, we got to have some more trained people in here. Holiness is you no, know, the blood's applied, but sanctification. Sanctification—that's the... That being freed from sin in your walk, when you read Romans, which is one of my favorite books, which I have quite a few favorites of the Bible, just saying, but I really like Romans, especially like, well, from the whole book. Um, But when you go through and you read that, Paul wasn't playing. He wasn't kidding. He's not saying things to just like make us go, oh, he's really confused, that guy, Paul. He's teaching us that you have been freed from the power of sin so much so you know you shouldn't continue walk in it because you've been you've died to that and there's a whole new life inside of you Amen. and then we go well and this is what I was well what about Romans 7 like he's saying I can't do the things like I'm un, I'm not able to not sin anymore and, it, and it's sin in me read this bible in content in context of what's going on he's saying the law can't save me over and over That's what he's saying. When you go through the law in chapter 7, he's speaking of the law. He's using a marriage contract. He's saying the law couldn't save me. And he's saying when I tried to serve God according to the law, I was powerless to resist sin. I didn't want to do it, but I was powerless and I kept doing it. So then Romans 8 comes. Now, therefore, who has set me free from this power? Christ in me. So we're being set free from that. We don't have to agree with it. We don't Positionally, when we're saved, we're made holy. So we're positionally as if we've never sinned. That's how he sees us. And then he's working through as Christ in us, the hope of glory, walking us through that process. And we're getting more and more like him every single day. And then in the future, there is no sin. That complete nature has been disintegrated. There will be no sin in the future. And that's what wrecks my heart. When I first discovered that about 15 years ago, I just started crying. I said, I can't even believe, like, not having at all a worry or a fear of a thought. Can you imagine the freedom that is? And he wants that now for us. We're free from sin. Like, I don't, I'm not sin conscious really anymore. I used to be. I was so, oh, that's sin, that's sin, that's sin. And you leave le- legalistically, oh, that's sin. He wants us to be free from that. Well, you're just in such a relation and you're so in love with them, and you know I, daddy sees me spotless and I don't want to mess that up. Not because I can't. And he's walking us through that and we're growing in that. We're growing in righteousness and it's a beautiful place. And then we can go and make disciples in that, not in religion because that sucks. Sorry. There's no really better word for that. It just does. It's weighty. He's like, I've come to take that yoke off of you. I've come to free you. He who the sun sets free is free. I'm trying, Eric. <laughs> Having a little power. Woo! A little power. What happens when we get a lot? Oh, man, look out. It's like 12 people could flip the world upside down. Like 12 unlearned people, a bunch of fishermen, tax collectors. It's almost like this is true. And it's almost like we can be encouraged if we read it to go, hey, they've done this thing, they've flipped it before. It's almost like, why are we discouraged? I don't think our God's big enough. He don't fit in this room. You try to put a box in. (laughs) He's going to blow that sucker up. He's going to jack your box all up. But yet the church wants to put him in a box, set him back there, and we'll tell you when to come out. Well, I don't want you loose. You might mess up our program. (laughs) Yeah, it just got real. This is your program. Who are we kidding? Mess it up. It's yours. If, it's, if you mess it up, and you can fix it. I don't know how. But I know I don't want to be the one to mess it up because then he'll fix it. Right? He's fixing things right now, church. You don't think God's hand's all over everything that's going on? You think all of a sudden he got tied up and the enemy's just running around doing his thing? <laughs> no. Or actually, he's a lot smarter than we think. And he's messing up a lot of people's programs. He's messing up the church. He said, hey, does it look like Axe? Do you look like me? Because if you don't, it's like a snow globe. He's just going to mess up that whole thing. And then we're going to go, oh, Oh, like Israel, maybe. Maybe like Israel, go running back to him. Oh, maybe we've been doing it wrong. I better get back in here and figure out what did we do wrong. Thank God he's merciful. Thank God he'll shake it up. Thank God he'll, he'll bend us over his knee once in a while and put his hand to our rear end. Thank God. And then he, then he picks us up and he loves us. And he kisses on us and he says, now go on, go play, be free. Go be free. If you kept my word and not denied my name. See, there's a couple things we got to do. We got to keep his word. We got to say what he says. We got to take that word and apply it to our life. And if it doesn't fit, then we need to lose weight or we need to get bigger. But it needs to fit. We need to grow into it or we need to cut some stuff off. Right? If it doesn't fit, Something's wrong, and we better grow into it, or we better shed some things. Amen. Because it ain't changing for you. It ain't changing for me. We we want to change it. We want to tell people it's okay. I got so many. It's I'm like, I see. You know, some Facebook is some things good. Some things. Oh, it just frustrates me. I see young people and people that we used to, that grew up knowing the truth. And now their God says it's okay if they live together. Their God says it's okay. You know, we, we can live together and we can have sex before marriage. It's okay. He's a loving God. And, and I'm not even, I don't say a word. I just am like, oh, Lord, I pray for him. And then they're throwing rocks at each other, trying to justify their sin. Church. We don't justify our sin. We fall at the foot of the cross and we repent. That's your only answer. The truth comes and you have a responsibility. You lay your life down at the foot of the cross or you don't. But if you don't, you're not okay. Hello? It's not going to go well on the day of judgment because we have the truth. We don't make God a liar. When we say our sin's okay, then we make Him a liar. God's not a liar. Guys, are you following me? And it's the truth. It's not going to be popular all the time. Jesus lost a lot of followers by speaking the truth. He didn't go change. Well, I'm sorry, guys. Did that offend you? I know you really like your sin. You know, yours is okay. It's just all those other people. No, that's not how it worked. He said, go ahead and pick up your cross. Follow me to a place of death. To a place of saying, not my life anymore, Lord. Your life in me. Because you can't can't have yours and his. It don't work that way. He's jealous. He says, I will have all of you or I will have none of you. Is that not what he says? So we can't, we have to keep his word. We have to keep his word. We have to hold his word in a place that you're right. It has first place in our life. You have not denied my name. How do we deny his name? Peter did it. I don't know him. It's not always going to be popular. It's not always going to be easy. There there may come a point when they say, are you one of those guys that go to new life? No. Are you one of those? Are you a Christian? I heard something, that I thought this was brilliant. And I had an encounter like this when I first was working underground construction. A guy pulled me aside after a couple of days and he said, I've been watching you. You're different. Are you a Christian? And I wish I would have said this. I don't know. You tell me. I don't know. You tell me. What do you see? Is there evidence to convict me? We shouldn't deny his name. What's that look like? Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? That's If you don't say he is who he says he is, you're denying his name. We're putting a whole different name on Jesus that ain't there. Well, well my Jesus, is it's okay if you do this. My Jesus looks like this when... I don't know what Jesus you're looking at. Because if your Jesus looks different than what his word says, you got the wrong one. That's Jesus. I met two of them yesterday witnessing... <laughs> And after we got to the sin part, it was, I don't speak English so well. <laughs> Seriously. I was like, that was convenient. <laughs> you might have he- met Jesus. You me. <laughs> Next time, I'm bringing you. We'll go back and be like, problem solved. Check this out, partner. <laughs> you understand now, don't you? Hey, that's a date. I want to see the look on their face. <laughs> he kept his word, not denied his name. Church, who do we say he is? Who do we say he is? Like, it's real important who we say he is. By keeping his word and not denying his name is what gives us that power. You might think it's something else. You might think it's like spending two hours in prayer. That's good. That's relational, but if you get up out of that place of prayer, and then you're telling people, well, that's okay. Well, Jesus loves you anyways, which he does love us, but he hates sin. Hate is a strong word. He hates sin. You know why? Because the wages of sin is death, and he came that we'd have eternal life, so sin is his enemy. Why? Because it causes death. Amen? Amen. And it always causes death. Sin left alone will cause death, I will promise you. Not because I said so, because the word says so. How many of you have seen that? We'll watch things where people went, true, they believed a lie. At some point, they believed a lie. They, They went away from the truth. And all of us are able to do that. Every single one of us. If we don't have this truth in our heart, and having it in front of us as a mirror like it's supposed to be and it convicts us and it tells us no Steve your thought on that is wrong then any of us can go mm-hmm, start fading away and the devil's always out there throwing lies planting seeds that's why you got to know the truth so where when that comes those lies or those thoughts come you're able to go nope that's a lie i don't receive that amen amen this is good Praise the Lord, a lot better than I was thinking. And I'm not mad. I got to tell the second service, I wasn't mad. I just anointed, I guess. Or This church didn't let their size stop them from having an effect on the people of the community they were in. You hear that? The church did not let their size stop them from having an effect in the community that they were in. There's no excuse. Little church, great. I've seen lots of little churches doing some amazing things. Amen? Amen. That's not going to be an excuse for us, amen? There's people in our community. All that matters to us is that we keep his name and his word. We honor His word, and we and we keep His name. You gotta be careful what you put His name on. You hear me? Don't say something's His if it's not. Well, this is this is His house. Like, what we say. When you mature in the Lord, you get to a place this truly does happen. Like, we bring our tithe, and we're like, this is the Lord's. And then over some time, it took me a little time, I started understanding, wait a minute, I'm actually just a, it's all his, I'm a steward. And then you can say that, but then there comes a point where it is his. Like, it's his car. Something happens to you, well, it was his. You must have wanted that to get a debt. It's yours. I'm not going to worry about it. Your money. What do you want me to do with it? Is it his? Because if you put his name on it, (laughs) oh, it's his. You put your business, oh, this is his business. Is it? Because if it ain't, it will be. These are your people. These are your kids. Parents, did you dedicate your kids to the Lord? Did you say they're his? Then let go. I'm not saying let go of the little ones. I'm saying your adult kids. There's parents that are still holding on and wanting to nurse them, and they're 45 years old. Maybe if you let go of them, the Lord would actually be able to do something with them. You hear me? I'm not. I don't. I don't have a 45-year-old child that's in that spot, but I'm telling you, I'm already letting go of them. I've let go of them. They're yours. I ask Him at times, "How should I discipline them? How should I discipline your child? How should I encourage your children?" You hear me? Which you put his name on, you better honor that. Don't deny his name. Don't let size be the issue. There's no excuse. No one or nothing can shut the doors our Savior's opened. Doesn't that feel good? No one or nothing can shut the doors our Savior's opened for us. Now, here's, here's the catch. That does not mean the enemy won't try or oppose. It does not mean there won't be opposition. Here's where it gets real. He's opened doors for us. Guess who knows that there's an open door? Our adversary. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8 and 9. I'm going to read it in two different translations. New American Standard, Paul's writing, he's closing up his letter to the Corinthian church. He says, and he's and he's telling um, the other churches, probably Antioch, but I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door for effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Let's go to the New Living. In the New Living translation, it says, In the meantime, I will be staying here at Ephesus until the festival of Pentecost. There is a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. So just because the, door, the, the Lord has opened a door doesn't mean there's not going to be opposition. A lot of times, people will face some opposition. And they go, "Oh well, that must not have been the Lord." Paul's like, "A great door is open before me. I'm going to stick around. And there's many adversaries. There's a great door, and there's a bunch of opposition. I'm sticking right here. That's, is that encouraging? A great door is opened. Heck yeah. The opposition shows that there's a door that opened. If, you're, if, if we're at war and all of a sudden my enemy slides open this huge door, I don't know what that door is open, but it's probably not good for me. So we want to fight against that and try to stop that before the good stuff comes out. Right? I mean, isn't that what you would do? Like if the door opens up, let's get the first guy that comes through that door and try to clog the door up. Like when I played football... Like, I was a linebacker. If there was a lead blocker that came through that hole, I want to stop him in that hole so the running back can't come through. Right? Let's close that door. So, there's opposition, guys. That doesn't mean it's not an open door. That, as, as you start to mature in the Lord, you get a little encouraged. You're like, oh, watch this. Not that I know what I'm doing. I just know I'm supposed to go running that, through that door. There's probably going to be a collision. But you know what? There's some force behind me. And if that door opens up, we're going through it. We're going through it. Like, my daddy's with me. And he will bring us into, thank you, Holy Spirit. He will bring us into situations where he'll say, there's too much of you. There's too many of you. If I let you do that, you'll take the credit. Hasn't he done that in the past? Hey, Gideon, your army's too big. We're going to dwindle it down. Can you imagine Gideon's like, Lord, I love you and trust you and all, but this is a little ridiculous. Like, seriously, that's an army. He's like, I know, watch this. Blow some trumpets. Set some guys out around. Smash some clay pots. Watch this. They all kill each other. There you go. You know what Gideon couldn't do? Check me out. Gideon's like, "Ooh, you're amazing. Church, we got to get to be like, you might want to get some more. Because me and my God, you need, you're going to need some more help. You need to go get some more demons. You probably should go get some more opposition because he opened that door. And he said, If I open a door, no man's going to close it. That's a David getting up in the middle of, like, you're in trouble, Goliath. He didn't say, Because I'm all that in a bag of chips. He says, Because I know who my God is. And he done opened up a door. I think I want the queen. I think I want the, everything that goes with that. I think I want that victory. Church, come on. No one or nothing can shut the door. But there's going to be opposition. Paul said, there's a wide open door. But there's many who oppose me. We got to grow to where when opposition comes, that's an encouragement. You know what? This church is starting to face a little opposition. I'm not, I'm not discouraged by that. I've actually been celebrating the last couple of weeks. I, I got up this morning, reached in to start my daughter's car, and I had like a knife stab in my back. It has not been fun. But you know what? I'm going to praise the Lord anyway. I'm going to come preach the gospel anyway. I'm going to still keep, you know what? I know I'm holistic, and the truth is, is that when your body's in pain, it does affect your other parts. But you know what? In my weakness, He is made strong. Amen? So I can't count in my strength today. I'm going to count in His anointing and in his, in his presence, and I'm going to be obedient, and He's going to bless it. Amen? That's what that looks like. Now, when I get done with here, I might be going, oh, my Lord. But I'm going to enjoy this moment, let me tell you. I'm going to go through that door. Amen? It's not always easy. I believe that his word's true. He says he's going to cause our adversaries to bow at our feet. Let's look at verse 9. He says, behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan. Who? Synagogue of Satan. That don't sound good. Like if I was a biker gang, that'd be a good name. Who are you guys ride with? The synagogue of Satan. Whoa, that's pretty serious. Who say, who say that they are Jews and are not but lie? Behold, I will make them to come and bow down at your feet and to know that I have loved you. Now, this church, we've talked a little bit, of the um, Philadelphia church is connected with Smyrna. We say it's, it's, the other, it's the only other church out of the seven that didn't get a condemning word. It was only encouraging. Also, we talked about the, the two churches that receive a crown. Also, <laughs> um, Also, which I didn't see before until this last week, also the other church that was persecuted by a synagogue of Satan. Which kind of goes with, hey, when God's opened up a door, when God's when things are going good and you're doing good in his kingdom, there's gonna be opposition. We shouldn't be surprised by that. So the Smyrna Church, let's look at that. Revelation chapter 2, verse 9. So instead of 3-9, go to 2-9. Revelation 2-9, this is he was speaking to the Smyrna church. He says, I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you're very rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you, they say they are Jews. But they are not, because their synagogue belongs to Satan. What did he tell the Philadelphia church? Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan, who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them to come and bow down at your feet. You know what I know? When you start doing what God calls you to do, there's going to be some jealousy. There's going to be some people get upset. And you may be surprised where it comes from. That title, well, let's say, the Jews made life for the church extremely tough. Fair statement? The Jewish people made life for the church really, really hard. Saul thought he was doing God's will for him by persecuting the church. You think he was the only one? All the stuff that Smyrna was dealing with, they were, they were poor, They were not able to, they weren't able to buy and sell, they weren't able to because the Jewish believers, the synagogue, which, which the Jews were called and they believed to be the synagogue of God. They tabernacle Like when they moved, when they would move in the Old Testament, they would move in their tribal order. What was in the center? The ark and the tabernacle of God and God's presence. They were saw and spoken of and, and even biblically declared the synagogue of, of, of the Lord. <clears throat> Isn't it interesting that Jesus calls them, you're the synagogue of Satan. Knowing who they think they are. Boy, that is like whoa. He knows what's going on. He every single word that's placed in this Bible is by design. I'm convinced. Every single word is actually God breathed. It means plenary, verbal, insp- inspiration. It was out of this, out of this universe, like ET, extraterrestrial inspired into our universe. Every single word. He's, he's speaking a lot of things all the time that we don't know very little about. This was one that I was like, wow. He knows what, they know what he's saying. They know what he's saying. We don't really know what he's saying a lot. He calls them the synagogue of Satan. <clears throat> Their slander and boycotting the church made them an accuser of the brethren. Whose job is that? To be the accuser of the brethren. There you go. I wonder if that's why he called them a synagogue of Satan. Satan. They were accusing the church. They were accusing the bride. They were, they were slandering and, and trying to stop the church. Those who had been and were supposed to be the tabernacle of God. Hmm. Does that happen today? Not just Jews. Church, there's something that happens a lot, and this cannot happen. Like, this is like something we have to so guard ourselves from. It is not our job as a Christian to be the accuser of the brethren. I don't trust. You're not mature. You're not mature. A lot of times people start getting some information, getting some knowledge, getting some understanding, which that's where like head knowledge can really jack you up if you don't have heart knowledge. Sometimes people that get all this head knowledge start thinking, they know who God is, and, and now I can, I can tell you which, uh, what's wrong with you and what needs to happen, and they start throwing rocks at people and accusing people and slandering people. And I've had to tell a couple people, um, not here, I don't think, but there's been a handful. Not that it hasn't happened here, um, not anymore, but there has been some folks I've had to go talk to in my past and in different, different areas and say, you know, you wouldn't want to, why would we want to do the devil's work for them? Why would you like why, why would you want to be the accuser of the brethren? There's ministries today. That's that's their whole ministry. That's all they do. That's their whole thing is to say, this ministry is of the devil, this guy's 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 of the devil. Like that's all they, not saying that there's not time that we can't see fruit. Biblically, we're supposed to go, hey, you're saying that's an orange tree. But every time I take something off your tree and squeeze it and drink it, it's like, cool, that's lemonade. I don't know if you're aware, right? Brother, I love you, but that's lemon juice, right? That doesn't mean you got to go run around. That guy's out of his head. Everything he does is lemon juice. He ain't no Christian. He's of the devil. Amen. This is not good. I don't want to be called a synagogue of Satan. The accuser of the brethren, that's the devil's job. And you know what? These people were God's chosen people, and they somehow missed their own Messiah. And then missed the fact that he was moving amongst and doing exactly what he'd already said he would do through scripture, that he would use the Gentiles. So he's saving Gentiles, and and God's moving, and amazing things are happening, and they're still persecuting the church, accusing the brethren. Can that happen today? I would, don't want to be on that side because Jesus knows the truth and he will say, depart from me. He, you got to be careful how you talk to his bride. The Lord told me that like years ago when, I was first, when he was first calling me to be a pastor. I was driving by a church. He said, I want you to be careful how you talk to my bride. And I went, oh, Like I understood that. like You better be careful how you talk to my bride. Right? You better be careful what you call his kids. Because I heard a lot of people growing up in church saying, well, that's not of God. They're not of God. That music, that's not of God. This, bop, 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 bop. So then you're calling his kid that is their kid. He's not their kid. They have a different father. If you read Matthew, I think it's chapter 7, 8. You're going to see the the most frustration and anger coming out of Jesus that you're ever are going to see in Scripture. You know why? Judge it. Because they start saying, Your father is the devil. They are calling him basically, and they're saying, We know who your father is. Like they start going back to you, like, We know Mary and Joseph. You were conceived in sin, you're basically a bastard. That's what they're and Jesus Jesus didn't play nice with that. He says, I know who your father is. Your father's the devil. Synagogue of Satan. Let me tell you, that's not an area. Like the, go back and read through that. You're gonna see a whole different persona and a whole different attitude and a whole different. Doesn't talk nice to them. So we we probably don't want to be affiliated. In, in that kind of a culture and a club, amen? 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 The synagogue of the Lord is now the church. When Jesus established the church, the church age, the synagogue of the Lord is the church. So be careful what you say about his church. Amen? That doesn't mean the church has some work to do. Yeah, the church does, but it's his wife. We're his kids. We need to encourage one another, build one another up in our most holy faith. Amen? Thank you. Moving on, you may be surprised by who or where the opposition or the slander comes from. I don't know if you've ever been surprised by that. If you're trying to serve the Lord... Sometimes some of the most unencouraging words can come out of the church. Sometimes some of the most unencouraging words can come out of family members, those who love you. I know I was not encouraged a whole heck of a lot in my ministry until I came here. I'm just saying, I was mostly opposed. Mostly, you know the story of Saul and David? That's kind of what that looked like. Saul was like chucking spears at David, didn't really, was threatened by David. That's kind of a lot of what, until I understood that, it really frustrated me. And finally, a wise pastor one day said, I want you to read something. It's called A Tale of Three Kings. And then it made me give a choice of what kind of a king do you want to be? You can be Saul, you can be David, or you can be Absalom. I didn't want to be Absalom. I didn't want to be one that tried to overpower and overthrow the leader that was ahead of me. And when I became a leader, I didn't want to be a Saul. Because I didn't like that. Amen? But unfortunately, I experienced a lot of that. I said all that to say, you may be surprised where the opposition comes from. But I'll tell you what, if you handle that opposition well, the Lord will bless that. Amen? Amen. I I want you to turn. Well, we don't have time to turn there, so I'll read it to you. Um, I'll just read a few verses. I want you to think about a young man named Joseph. Here's Joseph. He's born. He didn't do anything except for be born. This is the son of his dad who was born in his old age. And his dad favored him. His dad loved him a lot. Gave him this beautiful coat. And it really ticked off his brothers. Because he was seen as, as the one that was a little special. Or, you know, he was the, the one that had the, um, the goods He was favored. And oh, Joseph, he didn't help his cause a whole heck of a lot. God starts showing him things. And his brothers literally already hated him. That's what the Bible says. They hated him. And then Joseph starts telling him about dreams that he's having. He's like, hey, let's read it. Um, Genesis 37, 5 and 8. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, please listen to this dream which I have uh, had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf stood up and also remained standing. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Then his brother said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us? Are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for this dream and for his words. You remember what the title of this last point was. He will cause his your adversaries to bow down before you. Here God shows Joseph, and this is, if you want to look at things in a whole other thing, this is a picture of of Joseph being like the church. Older brothers, there was this older brothers, and then the father chooses this church, the bride, the Gentiles, and there's those who are jealous of that. And there's a picture of all what's going on that he tells Joseph, your brothers, shows them as pictures of sheep, they're going to bow before you. And then he goes and shows them another picture. He shows them the next scene is there's the moon and the stars and the sun. And there's 11 stars. And they were all going to bow before his star, which were what? His brothers, the tribes. And they're like, what? They hated him. You know what they did, right? They're about to murder him. They see him afar off. and Then his one brother feels like, man, let's not kill him. Like, that might be a little too extreme. Throw him in a pit. We'll take his coat. Well, then, you know, being a good Jew, um, one of them decides, like, well, shoot, let's make some money. <laughs> let's, let's sell him off. Like, we'll sell him into slavery. So then, then what happens? He sells him off to Potiphar. And then what happens? Opposition again. And then what happens? Prison. Opposition again. I promise, when I get out of here, I'm going to tell the king. But you know what ended up happening, right? Who showed up and bowed down before him? The Lord opened a door. There is a lot of opposition. Amen? I see this being like uh, what happens a lot. God opened a door for Daniel. A beautiful door. Magi and some other people start not liking what God was doing, and they try to get Daniel thrown into a, in a lion's den. We're going to take care of this. Opposition. But what happened? God shut the mouth of that lion or those lions. That door stayed open. Was there opposition? The apostate Jews who had become the synagogue of Satan will have to repent and humble themselves before God and the New Testament saints who have become part of his family, just like Joseph's brothers. That's what this passage of Scripture is sowing. That day is going to come. The, the church age is going to end, and Daniel's 70th week is going to be that next seven years for Israel. And when that's all wrapped up, and they're going to see and realize, oh, my Lord, you were the Messiah. These were your people. Exactly what Peter, remember? The blanket comes down. Peter, kill and eat. I can't eat. That's unclean. That's what really started the spread of the gospel to the Gentiles. Goes to Cornelius' house, baptized in the Holy Spirit. They go have the, the Jerusalem council in Acts 15. What should we do? These people are getting saved. They decide, well, shoot. We can't stop this. Like, obviously, this is what God's wanting to do. And then they're like, well, they need to get circumcised. They need to start following these laws. And they're like... Paul's like, and Peter, Peter being so like awesome, he's like, you want to put all this weight and stuff? We can't even carry it. But exactly, we see, you see the foreshadowing, you see the the type, exactly what God said is going to happen is going to happen. Exactly. And it happens over and over and over. God's opened up a door for us, you guys. There's a great door of opportunity. Just because there's opposition doesn't mean it's not an open door for us. Just because there's opposition doesn't mean that our God's bigger and our God's greater, and His plan is going to come to fruition. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never not accomplish what He puts His word out to do. I'm telling you, if He writes, if he writes the check, you can cash it. He opens the door, you can go through it doesn't mean that there might be some opposition. It doesn't mean you might have to dig into some word. You might have to go like, is this really you? Here's a statement I saw in a church when I was in Africa years ago. It was written across one of the walls. There was all kinds of statements of faith in verses. And it said, the greater the challenge, the greater the reward. I declare that over the church. The greater the challenge, the greater the reward. That's how we got to view opposition. That's how we got to view challenges. If we're facing opposition, there must be a great reward on the other side of that. If there's opposition, there's there's a disturbance in the force. There must be some great opposition coming. I mean, some great victory, some great reward coming. Because the enemy, I know this, he's scared. He, he, He doesn't know the future. All he knows is history, so he can see types and shadows. He knows he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he can see when God starts using people. Or he can see, like, I've seen God use people like this before. I've seen this thing happen before. Let's try to jack this up. And all that should do for us is be like, yeah, I've seen it too. You're in trouble, devil. It ain't going to work. Just because there's opposition doesn't mean that we're not going through the door. If he, if he opened it, we're going through Now, if he closed it, I'm not going to keep running into it. I'm going to ask him, Lord, is this you? You remember a story in in the book of Genesis about Joshua. They are just getting ready to go into the promised land. Joshua just come across, manna just stopped, because now they're in the promised land, and there's land of milk and honey, and they're about to go to Jericho, And Joshua comes across opposition. There's a man, they call it angel of the Lord, I believe it's Jesus himself, glowing with a sword, swinging back and forth. And he says, are you with us or against us? Joshua goes to him. Are you for us or against us? That's a really good question, church. When you're not sure, you're not sure, like I believe God brought us here, but there's opposition. Is this you, Lord? Or is this an enemy? That was so wise of Joshua. Church, we don't just go running stupidly. What is this? What is that? Let's, let's take some word at that. Let's take that sword and poke around a little bit. Is that you, Lord? You know, he said, are you for us or against? Us? He said, neither. He said, I'm the, I'm the God of heaven's armies. Joshua went, boom, I'm with you. Right? I'm with you. Like that whole thing changed. You with me or get. Boom! I'm with you. We're good. That's what we need to start learning how to do. Friend or foe? Are you for us or against us? If you're against us, get out of the way. If you're for us, let's get in line. Amen? You got to identify the opposition. Saul, when he turned to Paul, the church, God opened a huge door wide open. But people had to go around a little bit and go, now that is the guy, I believe, that was persecuting us. They have to talk to the Lord about that. Lord, is this? He said, Yeah. Have him come in. Friend or foe. We're gonna have to know this thing. Amen. You can't rely on this, you can't rely on this. When God's leading you to the places He's leading us, you got to go by the Spirit. Spirit knows Spirit. Spirit discernment can identify. The truth is the truth, no matter what. Those those apostles were able to because Galatians tells us that Paul went alone in the desert for like three years with Jesus, with the Lord. Don't forget, like that's not the only time you see Jesus on the earth. Because when Paul came back with the disciples. They literally said, we know he's been with the Lord. Like Paul had to have been talking about some things and sharing some things. They're like, oh, yeah, that's what we saw, too. Oh, yeah, we heard him talk about that, too. Not everyone else knew that. That's why they were say, come on in. You've been with the Lord. Can't you identify that? He's been with the Lord. <clears throat> you may hear things. I know when I first started listening to messages here before I came to the church, I heard Pastor Jay say some things I never heard anyone else say, but I knew they were deposited in me from the Lord. And I was very quickly able to identify. I've never heard anyone else preach that or say that, but I've heard that. I've heard that in his throne room. He's been there. Amen. I've heard it. I haven't had this yet, but I've heard of a man walking through an airport and he was walking by somebody and he smelled the smell. And he stopped and he went run up to him and he said, I just want you to know I just smelled something on you because I've only smelt that in the presence of the Lord. Whew. We'll know. We need to identify who's with us and who's not. God will close doors, you guys. I'm gonna take you back and we're gonna close up. Genesis chapter 3, verse 24. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden. And he placed a flaming sword and flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. When God closed that door, it was closed. we got to let some closed doors be closed. Quit trying to go back and do the same thing we used to do. Or go go in the same way we used to go in. Or sing the same song. Or if he closed the door, he closed the door. But if he closed the door, there's an open one. And we need to find it. Amen? Just because there's opposition doesn't mean it ain't him. Thank you, Lord. I just want to spend some time. Why don't you guys just spend some time in, in quiet and in prayer. I'm just going to just seek the Lord for a second. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Lord, I just I just want to declare... Um, hope and life. Lord, there's been some folks, I think, that because they faced opposition, they thought the door was closed. Lord, I pray, Lord, where you've opened up doors, Lord, that you would reveal that it was not you that closed the door. You just faced some opposition, and it wasn't supposed to close. I pray, Lord, that you would just start giving discernment to, to your people, Lord, that That, Lord, where you're even opening doors as we speak, or you have recently. And, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would just be able to impart to your church and to your sons and your daughters how good you are. That, Lord, we wouldn't be discouraged by opposition. That, Lord, um, we would know when you open the door, no man can close it. And, Lord, we would take confidence in that. And I thank you, Lord, for my own personal experience here. I didn't even try to budge a door. You opened it. And, Lord, I've taken confidence in that, Lord, when there's been lots of opposition, lots of trials, lots of things happen. I've been able to be confident that I know I didn't open the doors, so you did. So then I must walk through it. And, Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, for just being exactly who you said, that you would open doors that no man could open. And you'll close doors that no man can shut. Lord, we, we do trust you. And I thank you for closing doors. I thank you for closing doors in the past and, and for closing doors that you're going to close in the future. Lord, we don't want to be off track, and none of us do. We all want to be right on your path, following you, following your voice. And I pray, Lord, that if some of us have been going into um, areas or down paths or into, um, it can be from business to our own time, um, to relationships. Lord, if, if you want to close doors, we submit to that. We just ask you, we submit ourselves to you, Lord. If you want to close doors, close them. Lord, we thank you that That as we go through the doors you've opened and as we hold on to the strength that we have, Lord, as we honor your name and your word, Lord, that those enemies are going to bow before us. The adversaries are going to fall. They're going to bow before us. They're going to recognize that we are loved by you. And Lord, we do not want to participate in being accuser of the brethren. Lord, we repent if we've done it. Lord, we we honor you, Lord. Lord, we want to be like you that that, um, don't have any stones in our hand. (laughs) Lord, we want to be innocent. We want to be forgiving. I pray that you'd open doors of opportunity for that. Lord, we thank you for the door of this age being wide open, the church age, to go into the world and make disciples. Lord, we know that that door could be closing, that window of opportunity. Lord, I pray that we would be laborers while the harvest is ripe. Amen. Amen. You can be dismissed.